All right, good morning. We're going to continue our study on uh, discipling. We want to uh, just think about our uh, spiritual discipline here of discipling other believers. Um, and I uh, want to begin by just asking a question and then we'll have a word of prayer after we think about this for a second. Um, why are we talking about the spiritual disciplines of Bible study uh, like we're going to today in a class on uh, one-on-one discipling? I mean, isn't discipling about relationships? And the answer is yes and no. Um, we we want to begin... We want to begin our class today and, and think about the importance of the Word of God for ourselves, but, but we have to recognize that, that we need to be in the Word of God ourselves. We need to be meditating on the Word of God ourselves if we're going to be able to help anyone else. And so, yes, discipling is about relationships, but it's also about um, uh, character on our part. And so, hopefully we'll understand that uh, at the root of solid biblical discipling, is uh, is not simply some good proverbs, you know, in a, you know, ancient proverbs or something. We give them some some good advice, but rather it is uh, it's actually speaking the word of God to them. Remember, at the beginning, we were talking about being this pipeline for truth. That God's truth is here. We want to get it into the person that we're working with, and we just serve as a pipeline. And so. Uh, in order to do that, we need to be both in the Word ourselves and be um, helping others along with it. So, actually, Bible study is very important to the discipling process, and that's why we're going to spend some time talking about it this morning. Um, and then after I pray, uh, Jennifer's got a sign-up sheet here for uh, refreshments if you'd like to help out. Obviously, they don't just show up magically. Uh, lots of people have sacrificed in order to, to get them here. So, if you'd like to, to contribute to that, um, maybe sign up for one or two weeks that you would be able to, to bring something that would be a big help to our church. All right, let's pray and we'll begin. Father, thankful for the, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though He was rich, He became poor for our sake, for our sake so that we, through our poverty, might become rich. And Lord, we're not talking about physical or financial riches. We're talking about spiritually that we were destitute, unable to come to You, um, had an enormous debt, impossible debt to repay, and it was only through the grace of Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross that allowed us to come to You. And so we put our confidence in Him fully and we um, gladly hold nothing back. We give to You everything as a... Uh, way to show that we love you and that that um, that this sacrifice that was given for us was the greatest thing that has ever happened to us or to anyone and uh, so we give ourselves in glad submission to you Lord help us to do that today and think about how we can be a part of improving and encouraging other believers and uh, we pray that you'd help us to see the the uh, weaknesses in our own uh, lives and the areas of uh, improvement that we need so that we can be better servants of You. And we pray for Your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so we want to begin by talking about the centrality of the the centrality of the discipline of the Word. Um, 
First, we want to see that the Word's work is all for God's glory. Um, the focus of all of our work and encouragement and prayer and teaching and counseling other believers must be on the Bible if we're going to be make, making disciples of Christ. Um, and so the only way that we can know for sure that that uh, what we're saying is true is if we look at the Word itself. We need to be grounded in the Word and that's how God is glorified. Secondly, discipling is not about good counseling or I should say not only about good counseling. Um, you know, again, just some nice nice words that we can say to someone to... Um, Certainly, it includes that, and the best kind of counseling will help in your discipling. But it's not just about, um, you know, just answering questions and helping them through practical things. It's helping point them to the Word. They need to see that it's actually from the Scriptures. We'll talk about this a little bit more. But it's one thing for us to say, "Hey, you're doing this wrong. You need to do this instead." It's another thing for us to say, "Hey, look at what the Scripture says about what you're doing," and and then. Uh, this, don't, don't you think you ought to respond to how, what God is telling you to do? Okay, so that's, there's, those are two different things, and that's why I think we need to make a distinction between uh, quote-unquote good counseling and, and proper discipleship. Finally, we also need to recognize that spending our time at the very beginning of this section focused on God's Word um, is important because uh, God's Word is instrumental in these three things that are listed for you. Creation, sustenance, and the security of God's people. Okay, First of all, God's Word creates God's people. Okay, it, Certainly, we can see that God's Word creates, period. If we go back to the very beginning of time, Genesis 1, uh, you know, God, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And, and how did He create it? It was through His Word. He just His spoken Word. He said, let there be light, and there was light. And so, in that sense, God creates through His Word. But here, we're talking about God's revealed Word to us, and God actually creates His people through us, uh, through His Word. And um, this passage here in Ezekiel 37, we're not going to turn there, but that's the, the uh, passage of the vision of the dry bones. Remember, Ezekiel's called as the prophet to to speak to these dry bones in this vision and the dry bones as they hear the word of God which I mean they're dead I mean, they, they start to they start to uh, come together and then start to gain muscle and tissue and and before you know it they, he has a whole army of people in front of him uh, and that that's a picture for us of how God creates us as his children he does it through his word um, he also sustains us through His Word. Psalm 119 is a great passage just to see the importance of God's Word. That that without it we are, you know, we we are nothing. We we need God's Word to sustain us, and then God's Word also secures us. It it secures us from beginning to end. That's why you have a passage there from Revelation 19. All right, so we want to focus our attention on on. Uh, discipling relationships and why it's so important for us to read and study God's Word. Um, not only is it important for us to read and study God's Word, but it's, but it's also important that so many people who, who, um, who are calling themselves Christians are actually reading God's Word. And, and that's really part of the dangers because we have so many people that call themselves Christians and they, yet they don't even read God's Word. 
And I think if we're going to effectively disciple people inside this church and outside, remember the primary focus of our discipleship ought to be within this church, that is the members of this church. Uh, We talked about some pros and cons last week of discipling outside of the church. I don't think there's anything unbiblical about that, but the primary focus ought to be of other believers within this church. That's your... um, at your primary responsibility because of the covenant you've made with this church. Um, but if we're going to do that, we need to recognize that the, there is a general problem among Christians with the lack of care for God's Word. Okay, So don't be surprised when you enter into a discipling relationship that you find that the other person is not reading God's Word. Okay, We, we should not be alarmed by this, but we should be uh, desperately concerned about this. For many people in Bible-believing churches, they, there, there may be much said about the importance of the Bible, okay? Um, but really, very small focus on the Bible. So we're, we're all about the Bible, and then you get and you hear, you sit through one of their um, services, and you find that they barely use the Bible. And when the pastor gets up to preach, he's not even drawing from the Bible, or maybe just a few snippets from there for a soundbite, but other than that, it's mostly about self-help issues or whatever. Uh, And what you have there is that that Christians in those kinds of churches learn to value good teaching, or I should say teaching, but they don't necessarily learn biblical teaching. Okay, That is teaching that's based on the Bible, and that's what we ought to be concerned about. And so if if you think that this is uncommon, that is that Christians... Uh, there are very few Christians. Maybe you think it's rare that very that, that Christians don't read the Bible. Just listen to a few of these statistics from uh, George Barna, a survey he did in 2014. This is a survey of born-again Christians, people who call themselves Christians, people who who see that you know the they are saved by grace through faith, and they would call themselves born born-again Christians. He says that 18% of those people read the Bible every day. So that says that 82% do not read the Bible every day. And then the next statistic is 23% of these the same group, born-again Christians, say they never read the Word of God. 23%. So these are people who are... I think in our churches, in churches like ours, maybe even in our church, and I wonder that first statistic, if that is representative of our church. I mean, I don't know if you read the Bible every day, but is it one in five at our church that reads the Bible every day? Uh, hopefully, we don't have this 23% that never read the Word of God. But, but obviously, that should that should alarm us in some cases and concern us um, and now what we want to do is just, I mean, that's just to show you that there is an issue, okay? If you if you don't recognize it in your own life and maybe in the life of some of the other people you know, um, you can kind of take my word for it from these uh, studies that have been done. But I don't think we have to look too far to see that there is a problem with our, with our um, reliance upon the Word of God. So now let's think about what the Bible has to say about that. Um, because it's not really important, it's not primarily important what statistics say about us. It's primarily important what God has to say about us and how much we should value His Word. So let's take 
some time to look at God's Word and, and see what He has to say about it. Well, someone read, uh, let me just get some volunteers for all these passages here on the second page. Eric, Deuteronomy 6, 6-9. Paul, Psalm 119. You can go ahead and do both of those for me. 9-16 to and then 28. Uh, Greg, Matthew 4, 4. Jonathan, Matthew 7, 24-27. Ken, 2 Timothy 3:16. Jennifer, Hebrews 4, 12. One more. Eric, John 5:39. Okay. So here it's the Word of God is supposed to be a part of all of our lives, that we ought to have it from the very time we wake up in our minds. Obviously, we can't be reading the Word of God every second of every day, but we can have it in our minds, and that means that we need to at least read it at some part uh, at some part of our, our week and then be able to meditate on it. Um, God's Word should be applied to all of our lives. Psalm 119, 9 to 16. Okay, so the value of God's word here, according to verse nine, verse nine is that it makes us pure. How do we keep from sin? How do we purify ourselves as Christians? We need the Word of God. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your Word. So we don't just magically, okay, I'm going to get rid of that sin. It's, it, I don't want to do it anymore. It doesn't happen like that. We we have to submit ourselves to the truth of the Word of God. And as we do, we, we become pure. That's how the Spirit changes us. So there's value there. Psalm 119, 28. Okay, so not only does it purify us, but it also strengthens us. That as we become weak, okay, that that can happen as Christians. Certainly, there are um, there are hills and valleys in the life of a Christian, and when we're in the valley, um, we need to be strengthened. And God's word is what strengthens us. It says, uh, the psalmist says, "Strengthen me according to your word." He recognizes that the source of our strength is from the word. Matthew four four. Okay, so it's a source of our uh, purity. We we apply to all of our lives. Deuteronomy six is the source of our purity, the source of our strength, and here it's just actually Jesus says it's the source of our very life. That we don't live by bread alone. That is, we can go on throughout throughout our life and even have a period of time where we're without bread, the daily necessity that we need. Right? Can can we have a meaningful life without bread? Without any kind of food, can we have a meaningful life? I mean, Jesus did, right? He went 40 days uh, 
without uh, food. And so we can have a meaningful existence. You, you see people on their deathbed, Christians on their deathbed, and the thing that, that's the most of the most value to them is not their accomplishments or you know their trophies that they had or their certificates or degrees that they had accumulated throughout life. The most important thing to them is the Word of God. And they can have a meaningful existence even though they are struggling physically and even not taking in food without bread. But Jesus says you can't have it without you can't have a meaningful existence without the Word of God. You see, uh, you can have all of the world's goods, all this great food and pleasure and so on, and you would have a meaningless existence. Um, that is one that has no purpose for yourself if you didn't have the Word of God. Matthew seven twenty four to twenty seven. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may he be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell in great broken Okay, so we apply it to all of our lives. It's a source of our purity, our strength, source of our very life, and it's, a, it's, our, it's our foundation, right? That, that not only that we have the Word of God, it's not enough for us to, this passage kind of highlights the fact that it's not enough for us to own a copy of the Scriptures. It's not even enough for us to read the Scriptures because it says uh, both of those people, the one who built his house on the rock and the one who built his house on the sand, they both heard the Word of God. The difference is, that the one who built his house on the rock actually listened or responded. He heeded it. He, he obeyed it. The one who didn't just heard the Word. That's it. So it's not enough for us to read the Bible. If we need to respond to it, that's going to be the foundation of our life. Second Timothy 3.16 Okay, so all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. This is what we're talking about, the profit of the Scriptures, that it is applied to every part of our life. If you have any sort of um, uh, issue that you're going through, God's Word speaks to, uh, speaks to it, I think, in some general way or at least in what He wants us to know about it. Um, and then it, it is profitable. So every part of the Scripture is profitable to us as Christians, and that's part of the the joy of reading through the Bible in a year or two, is that that you start to see the profit of the scriptures in every part of the scriptures. Hebrews four twelve. Okay, so what's the value of God's word here? Hebrews four. Okay, it points out our sin, right? It it actually pierces down through all the joint and the marrow to the uh, to the the deepest recesses of our heart and draws out the sin that is there. Not that the, the sin's hiding and not doing anything. It's that that we don't see it. We're deceived by it. And so God's word helps us to to see our sin, and that's good. We, that's why I often think of it like 
2 Corinthians 3.18 as a mirror. We behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And as we do, we see our own sin. That's what happened with Isaiah. When he saw the glory of the Lord in Isaiah chapter 6, his first words out of his mouth were, Woe is me, for I am a man undone, and I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. He saw his own sin. That's what happens as we look into the, the Word of God. Hebrews 4 tells us that it points out our sin because it shows us how all the imperfections. Okay, It's like the difference between a mirror that's all, you know, uh, speckled and spotted and and all uh, distorted. Uh, it doesn't really show you all the imperfections, perhaps, uh, that that you have, and you can't really see them because the mirror is distorted. But as you see the pure mirror of the Word of God, you see yourself for who you are, and uh, that's why the the Word of God is so valuable. Then finally, John five thirty nine. Okay, who's speaking there? Jesus. Jesus is speaking and He's saying, okay, the Scriptures, He's talking about the Old Testament Scriptures, they speak about Me. And obviously we know the New Testament speaks of Him as well. So the whole Scripture is about pointing us to Jesus. That's that's what it is there for. Um, Jesus is the uh, perfect representation of who God the Father is. He is um, God in bodily form. And so we can... Uh, we, the only way we can come to God is through through Jesus Christ. So that's the value of the Scriptures. So from these passages, it's clear that God thinks that His Word is beneficial to us. And so can we really think of any excuses to stay out of God's Word? You know, God's Word is important for us to grow as Christians, and we should see that uh, that, that it's important for us as disciples to pass this on uh, with a sense of importance to our friends. So as we're as we're ministering to other people within this church, they need to see the benefits of the Word of God as well. Not just, just you know, I don't really know what else we can do, so let's look at the, the Bible today. So let's think about two ways to encourage love for God's Word. First, we'll talk about Bible study, and then second, we'll talk about uh, Scripture memorization. All right, any questions so far? Sandra. I mean, I think that's the point of all these. I mean, Deuteronomy 6 is applied to all of our lives. Psalm 119, it makes us pure. If you want to you know, change from a person who's a sinner, defying God, the way that we're made pure is by obeying the Word. Psalm 119, it strengthens us. That's a change that happens. We can't live by bread alone, Matthew 4. So I think that's the point of the whole thing. Um, if you wanted one specific verse for that, I would go to 2 Corinthians 3.18. I think that's the key verse when it comes to how the scriptures change us, but um, primary thing that we were trying to see is all the different facets of of its value for us. Like, what kind of value is there for us for the Word of God? So let's, Greg. Uh, I mean that's a that's a long process, and it's a it's a yeah I was gonna say it's a it's a never-ending process as long as we're here, 
in the in this body because I mean Paul still fought the sins of his youth even as an old man. John, same thing, you know. Um so it's something that, that we battle through as Christians and we don't stop fighting. That's the main thing. So um it's not like you could sit down and say, Well if I read for eight hours or twelve hours then it's gonna it's gonna purge everything out of my life. It took in some cases a lifetime to get that much dirt in and it it takes it takes a lifetime to get it out. And really even as it's not gonna be fully we're not gonna be fully pure until we reach the next life when God changes us. You know, when we have our transformed body. So that doesn't mean we stop stop trying to change. It just means there's no you know, take two pills, two books of the Bible and call me in the morning and it'll be all gone. There's it doesn't happen like that. Yeah. 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 So the, yeah, there should be a different view of that sin. There should be a a greater hatred for that sin as it keeps rising up its ugly head again. Uh, so there, yeah, there should be a change. So don't think, well, if I can't fully change in this lifetime, then I don't want to change at all. But you should see a change from the time in which you first believed to today. Ken. Right. And I think He will hold us accountable for what we didn't read, and I agree with that statement. But the primary thing is how we responded to that. And absolutely, that's how we responded to what we know. You know, to to whom much has been given, much more will be required. And I think that's talking about spiritual resources. What kind of spiritual resources do we have at our disposal? For us in this century, in our country, we have a Bible translated in our language, the full Bible and the full Word of God, and you know we we have the greatest of spiritual resources in in, uh, in most of history, really. Okay, so let's uh, think about Bible study and then memorization. First, Bible study. Um, it's it's too easy when you get into a relationship trying for the purpose of discipling that person. It's too easy to read something other than the Bible, and I, I don't. I don't uh, discourage you from doing that. There are lots of good Christian resources that would be helpful to read through with someone else. Um, so I don't discourage you to do that. But I think the primary way that we grow and help other people is by reading the Word together. So um, make sure that, that, that you help them to understand that you know uh, we, can, we can have these... What we tend to do is we have this pile of issues that we want to deal with and we're happy to go to whatever resources will help us with that. So we find lots of Christian, good Christian books and, and things like that. And we, we focus in on these issues and God's trying to say something much bigger than just those issues. He often speaks to those specific sins and how we deal with them. But, but the problem is we're, we're looking for a quick elixir that will satisfy and often we, we miss out on the bigger picture of God's glory, God's desire for our lives as a whole. And and um, so I don't want to discourage you from reading good Christian books. In fact, I'm going to do some more of that throughout this year. Encourage you to read good Christian books, but um, make sure that your primary focus is on reading the Word of God.
sometimes people are too intimidated to read the Word of God. Um, you know, it's just, I mean, where do you start? Just, just thousands of pages and such small print. I mean, how are we supposed to read the Word of God and know the mind of God by reading it? Um, I don't know if, if you ever thought about how long it would take to read through the entire Bible, but uh, it takes about 71 hours. And we know that because there are they have audio Bibles now that you can just add up all the hours that it takes, and it's about 71 hours. It's amazing that you could actually a person could actually read through the Bible in a week if they wanted to. Um, so it's not about the size, you know, uh, more than it is about discipline. It, that's the main thing. It's it's a discipline, and that's why it's helpful to have a reading plan. Um, we offer a reading plan. Uh, at our church that we encourage you to go through if you don't have one already. This is our 2015 one here and uh, basically going through the second half of the Old Testament and the New Testament in one year, which means a few chapters a day. It doesn't take very long at all. You can get through the entire New Testament and half of the Old Testament. So so go through a reading plan. Uh, encourage uh, the person that you're working with to make sure, make it a regular practice to read through the Scriptures. Um make it a, a regular part of their life. That's that's going to go a long way in, in helping them to 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 submit to God's Word. Any thoughts on or ideas on discipline in Bible reading? Anything that's helped you that's maybe been profitable that would be helpful for someone else? good to hear God's Word preached, absolutely. Um, that's the prim- that was one of the primary ways that God speaks to us, but but uh, we need to be disciplined ourselves, and we need to teach other people to be disciplined in reading the Word. Um, so, it's not enough to read. This is uh, kind of the point that Ken was making earlier. It's not enough to read. It certainly is necessary, but it's not enough. Um, the the spa- passages of Scripture that we looked at earlier talked about our growth in godliness, and those things don't happen automatically, or they don't happen mindlessly. So if you've just read through, kind of kind of like you're just skimming through, and okay, I've, all the words have crossed through my eyes and into my mind, but I haven't really considered what they mean for me, that's not going to do you any spiritual good. Um, so re- remind your friend that the Bible was written... Uh, the Bible is the inspired Word of God, that it is by the Holy Spirit, and that that we should often pray for God's help when we read. Here's a great verse. Uh, I don't think I have it on there, but a great verse for you to just consider or even pray before you read. Psalm 119.18. It says, Open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things in your law. Hey, you ever get discouraged because the Bible's you know just too boring or I can't figure out what's going on here? 
Well, here's this verse says, There are wonderful things in your word. God, open my eyes so that I can see them. Okay? Uh, that, that I can see the, the glory of God and the face of Jesus Christ. This word is about Jesus Christ, and that's how we, we see that. Um, also, I, w- I would encourage you to get in the habit of inductive Bible study and encourage your friend to do the same. What do I mean by inductive? Okay, that, that means don't go to the Bible study notes first. Don't go to the commentaries first. Okay, instead, read through the Scripture several times. Okay, so that means pick a passage. This is one of the things I'm going to encourage us to do next year in our Bible reading plan. Instead of, um, instead of reading through all of the New Testament and half of the Old Testament, next year what I'd like to do is read through some of the passages that we're going to be studying in the services and just read through the same passages over and over again. We're going to read through Romans several times, First Samuel several times. We're going to read through Ezra, Nehemiah, uh, and I think one other, maybe Luke, one of the New Testament books. But, but sometimes even that is too big of a chunk to read through over and over again. So find maybe just one paragraph, one parable of Jesus, one, one, uh, one paragraph of Paul's teaching. Pick that paragraph and say, this is what I'm going to study. Okay, and and it's it's much simpler than you think it is. Okay, uh, you you can make it very complex, but I would just say find the passage, make sure it has a beginning and end. Okay, obviously these passages tie into each other. Then read it, reread it, and reread it again. I encourage you to read it just ten times. In fact, every time I prepare for a sermon, the very first thing I do is read through the passage ten times, without any other outside helps. Just read through the passage. I want to see what is it, as best as I can tell, is the point of this author, that this author is making, ultimately the author is making. I want to see if I can, I can determine that without um, kind of getting influenced in advance. And then, uh, and then maybe it would be helpful just to rewrite the passage in your own words or maybe rewrite the main thought in your own words. Try to come up with a theme. Hey, what is the author talking about? That's the subject. And then the compliment is, what is he saying about what he's talking about? This is what I talked about last week in the morning service. Okay, so if you heard somebody talking about a bunch of hockey talk, you know, okay, the, the topic is hockey. Now we want to know, what are they saying about it? Maybe they're saying that we think the Red Wings can win the championship this year. Okay, so that's, that's, that would be the theme. We believe the Red Wings can... You can do the same thing in the Scriptures. Okay? You, you find out what the subject of the text is, and you'll notice that from all the things that are repeated or sometimes the key phrases in there, sometimes the questions, um, and then you find out what are they saying about that subject. That's the theme. And then uh, pray through the text. You know, God, what, what do I need to see? What am I missing here? And then, uh, and then meditate on it and look for and pray for applications. You you can do all of this without ever touching any study Bible notes or any commentaries. Now, I highly recommend good study Bible. I highly recommend good commentaries. But if you are constantly relying on those for your um, understanding of the Scripture, then you're missing out on the fresh learning that you can get. Because a lot of times what we do is we go to the study Bible notes, okay, that's what it says, that must be what it means. And we miss the, the step in between. It's, it's kind of like the difference between teaching a kid how to understand that 2 plus 3 is 5 and telling them the answer. 
Okay, so if it, if it's, it, do you remember when you're in school and they had the the back of the book? Anybody else have the back of the book besides me? Where they had every odd number, they had all the answers. Okay, so that's the difference. You go to the commentaries. The the reason that's helpful on the back of the book is why? Because you've already done all the work, right? You've done the work. You made sure that you understand how to get to it, and then you check to make sure that that's right. But if you go the opposite way, how much does that aid in your learning? It doesn't. It doesn't aid because you can't get to the place where, okay, I've got to wrestle through these things. What is it? Answers, I need to answer some of these questions. Why is it that 3 plus 2 is 5? I don't understand that. Okay, that's very elementary, but, but you understand what I'm saying. Okay, it gets more diff- difficult and difficult as you go. Bill. Right, and the verse you're talking about is where he says, "Study, right, study to show yourself approved, a workman of God who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth." So there, there's the command there that um, Paul's given to to Pastor Timothy. There, we we ought to be good students of the Word of God, and we ought not to quickly jump to the answers in the back. Instead, um, inductive method of study. I highly recommend that. Now. Obviously, we can get into some heretical ideas if we just rely on ourselves. That's why the back of the book is important. So you should rely on, in some cases, on commentaries and maybe on a proper interpretation process. And for that, I would recommend a book I've got out here in the uh, case called Reading the Bible for All It's Worth, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. And it's just a basic study on how to study the Bible. Okay, so it helps you understand the basic genres. You can't just take any passage of Scripture and study it the same way. Some is poetry. Some is um, epistolary, which is like writing letters. Some is gospel. Some is apocalyptic. Some is prophecy. So you need to know what kind of genre you're reading, narrative and so on. Um, and that, that book will help you uh, work through that. All right. Um, Probably the easiest way to help someone learn to study the scripture is to just bring them to church. You know, we have uh, we have a public display of the study of God's word um, being proclaimed here each week, and so just encourage them to come to church. And again, you know, our our schedules are busy, um, and so it's often difficult to find time. Like, well, how am I going to actually sit down with someone else and teach them to, to do Bible study? Maybe just okay. Let's let's look through this passage. We'll read through it together in advance and and come up with some questions that we have of the passage. And then following the sermon, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it again. So there's two short periods of time that you could meet together um, with the person that you're working through. Maybe it's just to study a book of the Bible, like the Gospel of Mark, in seven weeks or or even in sixteen weeks. Use one chapter at a time. Um, maybe as you get into it a little deeper, you can. You can get into a book like Romans or something like that. But but the the importance is understanding God's Word and heeding it. And um, and so I think it's helpful both to do Bible reading, should have a Bible reading, a discipline of reading the Bible every day, but also of, of studying it. And if necessary, uh, do it with that person. That would be helpful for them. 
All right, let me quickly move on to Scripture memorization. Um, I would say that, that you need to be good at memorizing the Scripture as well as encourage other people to do the same. Remember, we're trying to encourage friends to grow in their knowledge. Um, how is it that a young man keeps his way pure by living according to your word? Psalm 119 says, and then verse 11 says, Your word have I treasured or hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. How do we avoid sin? How do we get rid of all that sin from the past that Greg was asking about earlier? Well, we need to hide God's word in our heart. We need to we need to recognize that we're not going to have a copy of the scriptures in front of us at all times. And so we need to memorize scripture so that we can meditate on scripture. And um I mean, if we just think about the example of Jesus alone, we should, you know, this should encourage us to memorize scripture when Satan is tempting him in Matthew 4. How does Jesus fend off each of Satan's temptations? He say, "Hold on a second. I'll get back to you. I need to go back and research the Old Testament." and see what it has to say about what you just tempted me with. How is it that we fight against temptation? And the answer is the same way that Jesus did. You have to know the Word of God. You have to have it hidden in your heart. And that's the way Jesus does it. He, he not only knows the Scripture that Satan quoted to him, but he also knows the proper interpretation of that and how to um, respond to it, which was with another uh, text of Scripture. It should be offensive to us that we can quote more music lines or movie lines than we can lines from the Bible. Okay, sometimes it's like, man, how do I get so many of those songs in my head? And do you know how you do it? How do you get those movie lines and those song lines in your head so so easily? Repetition. Right. The way to memorize is through repetition. That's how these advertisements that you can hear those little jingles in your head every time you even think about that product name. Why? Because they get that song into your head or they get that line into your head, right? Just loving it is what? McDonald's, see? And how do you know that? Because they just keep repeating it over and over again, multiple. And so you do the same thing. You take, we got some verse cards out there. You're welcome to memorize Romans 8 with us this year. And I've actually spaced it out more time. I found that it's, it's, it's hard if you're not in the, into the mode of studying two whole chapters for a whole year. So I, I broke it down and did it smaller. 39 verses in one year, lots of review. And so every four weeks you have a review, basically. And so if you haven't started that, it's not too late. Start start on whatever this week's passage is. I think actually this week is 1 through 3. So uh, maybe next week. Start in Romans 8, 4, and that would be better than, than nothing. You don't have to go back and catch up. Uh, learning some memory verses is better, or so, some verses of the Scripture is better than not doing it all. So repetition is the way to memorize. Don't say, you know, I'm too old for that. I, I don't have the memory like I did when I was a kid. Um, you can memorize. Uh, you can memorize if you want to. Um, again, you you know lots of phone numbers. We don't have to know phone numbers as much anymore with our phones, but but addresses and and so on. You, you memorize all sorts of things. And the reason that you can is just because you've repeated those things in your mind over and over again. That's the value of the Word of God. It it kind of washes over your mind, and as you as you are repeating it to yourself, it actually causes you to think about it and, and meditate on it, and that's a good thing. Uh, maybe another helpful thing, maybe if, you know, Romans 8, that's a little bit too much for me. How about get one of the bridge tracks or the two ways to live tracks and get all the verses on there, write them all out and say, I'm going to memorize these this year. And that way, when you have an opportunity to give the gospel, you have an, uh, a reason to, to give an answer for the hope that is within you. And... Uh, that would be another helpful way to do that. So you don't have to use our pack. This is just a, 
uh, tool for you. Um, and by the way, if those run out, let me know. I'll be happy to, to make some more for you. Um, they also have, by the way, Bible, re- or, um, Bible memorization apps now. I'm using one this year that's going along with our, our memorization of Romans 8. And basically the, what they do is on the first day, it's a free app, the one that I got. And I know there are better ones that you can buy, but the, the one I have is the first day you, you type in the first letter of each word of the verse. So Romans 8, 1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You just type in the first letter for each word, and it's listed there right for you. And you see them highlighted. It's kind of, kind of fun. Then the second day, you review it, but this time there's a few words missing. You remember how your teacher used to do that to help you memorize? Okay, that's the, that's the idea. You go through it. Now you have to do every word again, including the missing words. And then after like four or five days, you're basically just writing the first letter for each word for the whole thing. It takes a few minutes a day. It doesn't take very long. You don't have to have one of those verse packs, but if you if you do, you're welcome to... If you'd rather use something like that, you're welcome to do that. Uh... I'll have to check and let you know. All right, any other ideas on uh, memorization that you have? I think it's just called Bible Memory. It's a light blue app with the with the ichthus, the Jesus fish, on the front. Okay, Bible Memory app, light blue. Uh, you have to, there's a little bit of time just to set them all up. You know, you, if you just did it once a week, it wouldn't take much time at all. You just tell it which verse or passage you want to memorize, and you work through it. Um, but some of us like the hard copies. You're welcome to to stick to that. But there's all sorts of ways that we can aid ourselves in this sort of thing, and you can help other people along. You know, you work through this, and then you help other people along in the same way. And you know, there there is a limitless supply of wisdom that God has for us in His Word. And there is a limitless amount of value that it has for us as Christians. And we of all people should recognize its value and help others. Yes. Yep. Yeah, in fact, my kids, when they, you know, in their school, they have to learn memory verses for school. And they're, they're really good at memorizing verses. But it's partially because their teachers kind of help them in their study habits. One of the things they have to do is just write out the same verse over and over again. That's a good thing. Okay, So that that's another way that can help you. Yes. Yes. And there are actually good... Um, there are good kids' memory verse songs that have been made for um, that sort of thing as well. So there, there are all sorts of resources out there if you want to explore that sort of thing. And, uh, yeah, songs. Yeah. Right. Yep. While you're working on some other um, fairly mindless activity, um, something that you just do by habit or without too much thinking, you can focus on the text of Scripture as you're doing that. So, good. All right, let's pray and and we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank You for Your Word and the value of it to us. May You continue to strengthen us through it and help us to strengthen others. In Jesus' name, Amen.